Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Raised by Giants, where we talk all things spirituality. I'm Ryder Lee. Tonight, we have returning guest, retired Sergeant First Class of the United States Army, remote viewer Lim Buchanan, speaking about remote telekinesis and influence. But before I introduce him, check out Raised by Giants on Rockfin. It is a completely uncensored platform. Go over there, set up a free account, get all of my regular content I post here on YouTube, and sign up for Rockfin's premium content, which is far less than a YouTube premium account at only $10 a month. And you'll get all of my premium uncensored content when it gets released and all of the other creators' premium content as well, like Beyond Classified, Charlie Robinson, Jay Dyer, Zero with Sam Tripoli, Tinfoil Hat, Eddie Bravo, and Rex Bear Leak Project, and much more. Check the link in the description to sign up for the video streaming platform, Rockfin. Also, check out C60 Purple Power. It is the most powerful antioxidant on the planet. Helps with energy levels, skin problems, infections, eyesight, brain cognition, EMF radiation, and a lot more. It's a free radical sponge that gives your body the ability to heal itself. And if you use promo code GIANTS10 from the link in the description, you'll get 10% off your entire purchase. I highly recommend it. I've been using it for over a year with my own money and I wouldn't recommend something that doesn't work. Lim Buchanan, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to speak with you again. Thanks for taking the time this evening. How have you been since our last chat? Oh, can't brag, won't complain. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot has transpired on my end since our last conversation. I actually got access to a lot of the unclassified documents from Army Intelligence and the DIA regarding the uh, psychic programs that they were doing, and holy crap. I didn't realize how convoluted this topic is, and uh, everyone oh, yeah. seemed to have their hands in the pot. Army, ACSI, INSCOM, CIA, DIA, NSA. It's, uh, it's really wild how many uh, different avenues and how many of the intelligence community and the military was all involved with uh, these yeah. psychic programs. Yeah. Yeah, but, it, it was... Uh... It was, uh, 
the unit itself, the remote unit, it was passed around, but there were other efforts that the uh, different military units had used, uh, like over in uh, Vietnam, they had dowsers uh, looking for underground facilities and, and things like that. There were a lot of, a lot of things. Uh, the military has known for a long time that this is a good viable form of intelligence gathering. And so they've been using it, yeah. Yeah, and what I found really interesting was uh, reading through these uh, SRI unclassified documents because that's really uh, where a lot of this started was uh, SRI through, uh, though there were other uh, people studying psychic abilities before SRI, like uh, in the 30s by Duke University and in the 50s by parapsychological labs in uh, New York. But from what I've gathered, the purpose of SRI was to determine if the characteristics of those uh, perceptual modalities through which individuals obtain information about their environment, uh, wherein such information is not presented to any known sense. And SRI became funded by the CIA in 1973, I believe, and then uh, when they separated from Stanford University in 1970 and became known as SRI International. And they decided they described a few different categories of remote viewing, and with one of them being CRV remote viewing, which we covered the last time you were on. And then they talked about transatlantic remote viewing, where you can remote view over a long distance. And uh, the next category of remote viewing is when two or more subjects remote view the same thing independently. And then another one was remote sensing, which I don't think that we got into too much last time was uh, remote sensing. So have what is remote sensing from your point of view, Lynn? Um, remote sensing, I think was just an early form of what they now call remote viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that um, Paul Smith teaches English one remote viewing but he's now calling it remote sensing too. So he went back to the older term. I'm not sure why, but uh, uh, yeah, it was just an earlier form. There was also uh, a remote communication. So mind to mind telepathy, and there were experiments on those. Uh, there were experiments on, um, uh, because the Chinese were already doing this, there were experiments on PK, psychokinesis, you know, moving things with the mind and all that. And yes. uh, you you name it, they've, they've had scientists studying it, yeah. yeah. And that's the last one that was mentioned in this SRI uh, document was uh, perturbation of remote equipment. In other words, like you just said, a form of uh, telekinesis, but remote telekinesis. Uh, where when you right, can yeah. move an object uh, with your mind across the range or uh, distance. So is remote uh, telekinesis okay. possible? Oh, yeah. In fact, what started the studies on that, uh, the serious studies, you know, SRI and all, uh, Inga Swan went out to Stanford and they had this uh, 
excuse me, they had this sensor that was buried, I forget how many feet down into the ground and protected from any magnetic, any electronic, uh, and, you know, uh, inference at all in any way. And uh, so Ingo stood over the thing and mentally accessed the sensor down at the bottom and it went, went bonkers, you know, and it affected it. And uh, we had done some other things. I know I did one one time with the uh, Stanford Linear Accelerator. And uh, um, we never got hard feedback on that uh, because <laughs> I had I had set the thing off and uh, and the director said, we're not going to tell Stanford that we're messing with their experiments. <laughs> so, but kind of got through the grapevine, found out that, yeah, you know, it had been done. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you've actually done this. You've had experiences with remote telekinesis where you can uh, move an object. Oh, yeah, that's how I got into the unit. Um, I had, uh, I had, pretty well, messed up a few million dollars worth of uh, intelligence uh, computers, and. Uh, that's why General Stubblebein went out to Germany, got me. He wanted to form a unit where we would uh, affect enemy computers, uh, hopefully with the idea that we could start controlling the enemy computers to make their missiles drop into the sea or turn around and go back at them or whatever. And uh, Congress said, no, that's spice of mind control, we're not going to fund that. Mm. They had been caught in the 60s doing mind control experiments. They didn't, they're not going to take a chance on doing that again. And uh, so General Stoblein just took me out to the remote viewing unit and put me in there. Yeah. Yeah, that was the original thought. Uh, I remember you saying last time that Stubblebein, uh, that, that was his idea that he wanted to be able to uh, take missiles, enemy missiles out of the sky with your mind, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Now, the, in this SRI document, they're very careful with their wording as to verify if remote telekinesis actually works. And apparently they did a seri mm -hmm. series of studies, like 1310 trial runs to test uh, if it's possible to couple energy from an individual to a remote location to see if they can make the object move in uh, their conclusion that they came to was that there is evidence that an object can be moved remotely by a subject during the remote viewing session, but also stated that uh, more considerable actionable data uh, is required to have a hard conclusion. So they were really oh, yeah. careful with their wording on how they did that. The amount of the effect in most cases is very, very minimal. However, we kind of sort of came to the conclusion that you cannot remote view a target without in some way influencing it. And uh, only very, very slightly, probably not even noticeably. But, uh, but you know, if you then turn around and uh, 
and intentionally put the energy into it, you may be able to affect it in a noticeable way. Yes, I have a surprise here for you uh, later on in the conversation that I think that you're really going to enjoy. But uh, I kind of want to stay on this uh, SRI document just for a little bit longer because it, it refers to, in a lot of the SRI documents, to developed natural abilities, right? Yeah. Uh, none of these uh, people that were in the study at SRI were trained to remote view. Right. So in your opinion, I know that you stated in our last interview, it was because of your PK ability that got you into this uh, program. Now, yeah. how do you think that uh, th these people got these abilities? Like, do you think that this was something that they were they already had? Because it states in the in the document that it's already developed natural ability. So how did they develop that ability? Well, generally it's undeveloped. Uh, we're, we're born with it. It's a natural thing that uh, is, you know, intuition is a natural thing that's common in varying degrees to everybody. Uh, but um the idea of actually taking that natural ability that we always suppress and actually start training to use it in a constructive, uh, formulated way, uh, that's what Ingo came up with and uh, formulated the protocols. And a lot of people out there think that the remote viewing makes you psychic. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make you psychic at all. You already are. It just shows you how to use it. <laughs> and a lot of people are more psychic than they will allow themselves to admit. Uh, and when they start, uh, when they start doing these exercises that we give them to start using that ability, they uh, they feel like. Oh, it made me psychic. No, it didn't. Not at all. It's already there. We just show you how to use it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, that we all have the capability to be psychic or to remote view. But the, the wording uh, of that with natural abilities, and at that time, Army intelligence hadn't created their program yet, and neither had the DIA. So the word... Uh, you know, depicted in that sentence implies that they had been doing this for a while and might not have known what it was, right? How yeah. long do you think that people have been remote viewing and uh, getting these kinds of visions and being able to see things at a far distance and not even know what it is or even know well, that well, it's ability? Yeah, as long as there have been people. I mean, this was... This is used in in all of history. You know, they've had their their seers and their people who would uh, uh, forecast the outcome of battles. It's in the it's in the Bible. Uh, in the ancient tribes, they all had their shamans and so on. Yeah, this is as long as there have been people. Yeah, it was really interesting in this document too because. 
it states that as observed in a laboratory, the basic phenomenon appears to cover a range of subjective experiences uh, variously referred to in uh, certain literature, right? And in the medical literature, it's classified as disassociation. And in the uh, psychological literature, it's classified as clairvoyance, traveling clairvoyance, or out-of-body experience which is very, very interesting. That one there, the out-of-body experience aspect of this whole thing. And then parapsychology was astral projection. And apparently SRI chose the term remote viewing as a uh, kind of natural descriptive term from uh, free from occult uh, assumptions and, and bias, which yeah. I think is very interesting because there's a lot of mention of the Monroe Institute, especially in the Grill Flame documents, which yeah. the Monroe Institute was to uh, induce an out-of-body experience. And Army Intelligence paid Monroe Institute $2,000 to uh, study with Robert Monroe. Uh, so in your thoughts and opinions, is out-of-body experiences or near-death experiences any way, shape, or form related or connecting at all to remote viewing? To remote viewing? Not really, no. I mean, it uses the same natural ability, but uh, it uses it in a totally different way. And uh, Bob was uh, very, uh, Robert Monroe, uh, was really uh, very good at organizing he did for out of body what Ingo did for remote viewing. He organized it, got the protocols going, and uh, and he would teach you actually how to do that out of body. And uh, at one point, General Stoebein was even thinking of uh, using out of Monroe's out of body as a spying technique. Uh, that that sort of fell through. Because the uh, uh, the process of out of body as you go do something and then you come back and you summarize what you got. The controlled remote viewing has you do the experience and you describe everything as you're doing it. So it's not, a, it's not a summary. It's like Sergeant Joe Friday said back on Dragnet, you know, it's just the facts, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, so the CRV actually became the, uh, the one of choice simply because it provides more data and higher accuracy. Did, did you guys have access to any of the Monroe Institute's Hemi sync tapes in the oh, yeah. in the yeah. unit. Yeah, uh, we use them for cool down. Now, cool down is not where you've done all the work and then you cool down afterwards, like in you know physical exercise. The cool down is where you've come in from your day of being military and you know worrying about finances and 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 all that. And uh, and so then you cool down, get everything out of your mind. And the Monroe tapes 
uh, that we used would let us just calm down, calm our minds, still our minds, and then go into a session. We never used them during a session, but we, uh, we used them a lot before sessions just to clear our minds. Yeah. Monroe tapes are fantastic. Was it something that was recommended for you guys to do, or was it just something that was there that you uh, that the people in the unit had access to that they could use if they wanted to use it? Yeah, we had access to it. That was it. It wasn't yeah. even recommended, uh, but it was totally available to us. And uh, different people found different ways to uh, cool down. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Without the Monroe tapes. And uh, every individual has to find their best way to do it. I know my students, uh, some of them will <clears throat> uh, listen to music. I have one student who goes out and balances rocks on top of each other because the concentration to do that and have it stand as the balance of a pile of rocks is so focused that it gets everything else out of his mind. And so he'll go out, balance rocks, and then come in and do a session. So uh, everybody has their own different way of doing it. Yeah, That's really interesting. Now, I might have asked you in our last interview together, but reading through these documents, it looks like that the Chinese were using children. Uh, they were experimenting on these abilities with children. And I might have asked you last time, did any of these programs in the United States that you're aware of, were any of them working with children? No, uh, mainly because the U.S. is so litigious. Uh, you know, um, you'd have to have the parents and, and also uh, you'd have the children working on classified information. You don't want that. Um, but yeah, the Chinese uh, generally in their effort, they use children, I think, between the ages of 9 and 12. And when the children became 12 years old, they were out of the program. Uh, but that was, a, that was a big effort with the uh, Chinese. Yeah. Do we, because uh, from what I'm reading, the, the entire program was kind of centered around people thinking that the Soviet Union 
was uh, using psychics and remote viewers to collect intelligence data on the United States. And we wanted to get an upper hand uh, upon the, the Soviet Union. We didn't want them oh, to. Absolutely, yeah. And that was proven, yeah. Uh, I think his first name was Igor um, Pinkowski, uh tried to defect from the Soviet Union and brought documents showing the um, um, Russian psychic spying effort. And that's when the uh, U.S. said, hey, from what these documents prove, it's effective. And if so, we better do it too. And so that's when they went out to uh, uh, talk to uh, Russell Tard and Hal Putoff to laser physicists who had been doing studies on how the intention of the researcher affects a laser beam in their experiments. And, uh, and so they got a contract to uh, look into psychic ability. And uh, that's basically where the uh, US effort started. But it started as a result of the fact that the Russians were already doing it. Now the Russians started doing it after World War II. They'd been doing other things before that. But um, Adolf Hitler had had a project called Dr. Grunbaum, Green Tree, uh, like the Green Tree of Life of the um, uh, Jewish uh, Kabbalah. And uh, they were doing uh, psychic research. Well, when the uh, Germans lost the war, uh, England, France, and the United States and Russia divided up the spoils. And we all wanted the nuclear scientists and the rocket scientists and all that. Nobody wanted that crazy psychic stuff. Well, Russia said, we'll take it. <laughs> and they took it and they started developing it. And uh, by the 1960s, we were losing our classified information like crazy. And they couldn't figure out how until Pinkowski tried to defect and brought those papers uh, with him. Wow, I didn't, I'm gonna have to look into that uh, that German psychic program. What did you say the name of it was? It was Dr. Grunbaum. And if you, you can find any information on it, you're doing better than I can. The only reason I knew about it is because I knew of a person uh, in my um, Russian language training who had worked with uh, the people who, who had worked in the process of bringing the German stuff in and started working on it. And so she knew about Dr. Grunbaum. But I have looked it up and I have tried to find information on it. And uh, it's just, I, I haven't found any documented information on it. Like I say, I wouldn't I wouldn't have known about it if I hadn't known one of the people working on it. I do have a Russian remote viewing document from I believe uh, the the early 
fifties or mid fifties or something like that. And I scanned over it briefly and it does talk about, uh, you know, remote viewing and being able to compile energy up and then send your consciousness out. So it wasn't very yeah. detailed. It was only like 10 pages or 12 pages. It was just kind of like an overview of kind of what they were doing, but uh, I'm oh, going to yeah. look, look, read that uh, one over again. Yeah. The Russians were not so much interested in, um, intelligence gathering as they were what they called hypnosis at a distance. They were interested in the PK and, uh, they wanted to, they wanted to go out and kill things, <laughs> you know, and uh, uh, Nina Kalagina, in fact, was the one who um, started mentally killing rabbits and mice and all that with her mind. And, uh, and so uh, this is where this whole thing of, you know, can we kill the goat with our mind and yell? We killed the goat with our mind and, and all that, you know. I didn't do that. I know the sergeant did, but. Uh. Yes, and since you brought that up, I'm going to give you the surprise that I oh, found. Okay. Because we were talking about remote influencing last time that you were on my show. And I ran across this document. You see it? Yeah, I say I see. Sure. Uh, I haven't seen this one before, but this is the Science Applications International Corporation and laboratory yeah. document, and it's written by Miss L. Faith and Doctor Ed May. And this document, mm -hmm. <laughs> this document lays out exactly how you remote influence people. Could I get a copy of that? Yes, I, I can. Yeah. Yes, I can uh, send it to you for sure. But it, it it's only uh, two pages, but it lays out uh, fourteen steps in the way yeah. uh, that you can remote influence. Uh, how you do remote influencing, right? Correct breathing is important. By the process of breathing, should not distract the operator from concentration of mental images and visualization process. Another important, uh, number three, another important point of the training is for the operator to learn to concentrate his attention on a particular uh, mental image. The operator should be able to visualize clearly, clearly the face of the receiver and the simulations surrounding and actions of the receiver. The operator, number four, the operator should be able to receive uh, and the receiver as well as possible and have a good rapport with him or her during the remote influencing session. And it just uh, it goes along. And like I was taken back whenever I saw this document because I'm like, holy crap, Lynn Buchanan has been talking about this uh, for ages now. And we talked about it on our last show. Yeah. And yeah. I wanted to bring that up because uh, there, there's some people that don't believe that remote influencing is possible. And this document yeah. here by Ed May lays out exactly how to do it. So from, from what you've read so far, that's a limited form of it. We found easier ways to do that. But yeah, it's it's not hard. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was uh, super interesting. And I wanted to bring it up to you. And I'll get it to you for sure. But since we're on the remote influencing topic, and like I stated earlier, we, you know, we talked about it before on my show. Yeah. And how subtle 
can remote influencing be? It, do, it doesn't have to be, you know, something huge and um, necessarily making people do things, right? It can be something super subtle to change someone's behavior or have a reaction that they're having, right? By nature, it is very subtle. Uh, you don't, uh, there is a thing called remote control where you can make somebody do something. I find that horribly distasteful. Uh, that, I mean, but the uh, remote influencing is just that. It's remote persuasion. And uh, you access a person at the subconscious level and convince them at that level that they want to do something or, you know, they, they no longer need to smoke or they no longer need whatever they're in, inflicting on themselves or something like that. And, um, and it takes repeated sessions over and over and over and over and over until you finally persuade them at the subconscious level. The subconscious controls the conscious level. And so once you have persuaded the subconscious, the person will do what you want on their own. And, uh, and so, you know, it's a lot of work, but it's very easy to do. So, uh, and uh, uh, you can do miraculous healings of some people. You don't heal them. You teach them to heal themselves. You try to heal them, they're going to get sick again because they need this illness for some reason. You convince them that they don't need it and they will make themselves well and it becomes permanent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's um, the remote influencing is easy, but it's persuasion. And you have to do it over and over and over again until you have actually persuaded their subconscious mind that that's really what it wants. And then the person will do it. Yeah, I don't understand how people can't really grasp this concept because we influence ourselves on a daily basis, right? Us ourselves, sure. we can change our subconscious and have that trickle down into our consciousness. And then it'd be like, so why couldn't somebody else do that to you? And I think it's very okay. possible if remote viewing is possible and you can see things that are out of your uh, local perception, then you would be able to influence somebody else. Yeah. And like common said, logic. We have found easier ways than what those that you read um, from Ed Nye's, uh, from Ed's uh, paper. I'd like to read the whole paper, so I hope you send it to me. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I would have read all of it, but then it would have just been kind of dry, and uh, you know, people people don't want to. Uh, whenever you bring up documents and all that, people normally just tune out. So I just wanted to show people and show you, and I will send it to you that it does exist and it is very possible to do. And I've read through it, and it's very, uh, very enlightening. So you you're talking about remote influencing on like a therapeutic level to uh, you know help people get over. Uh, 
something that is wrong with them or something that uh, they a trauma or something like that have I, you worked with people in this kind of way oh yeah absolutely bringing people out of comas and so forth um and i find no problem with that now uh doing the remote influencing to hurt people i i have a big problem with that and uh and you know People who learn the remote influencing, there will come a time when they're tempted, <laughs> you know, to get back at somebody and uh, and don't do it. Uh, there's one rule about remote influencing, and that is the old saying, what goes around comes around. You hurt somebody, you hurt yourself. You help somebody, you help yourself. Yeah. Now, can this and, be done uh, on someone unsuspectingly? Like, can you remote influence oh, yeah. somebody that absolutely. they don't realize that they're being remote influenced? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah you don't need the permission. Yeah. So if you've seen uh, somebody on the street you could, uh, well, not even see somebody on the street. Obviously, it's remotely, so it could be anybody on the planet. Like, you could influence somebody that was in a, a completely different country. Yes, no problem at all. But like I say, the remote influencing is just like the PK. It's very, very subtle. And therefore, uh, you can't sit down and and do one session and it takes effect and that's it. You may have to do dozens or sometimes even hundreds of sessions to persuade their subconscious mind to do whatever you want, yeah. And so it's very labor intensive, but it's very effective. And Is it's, something... it's not a fast in one session, no. Is this something similar to what people refer to as uh, outbounder experiments where no. completely different? Yeah, completely different. An outbounder experience um, uh, that um, exercise, outbounder exercise is where you send somebody out to the target and a target location, the viewer does not know where that location is, okay? And instead of saying, describe the target location, you say, access that person and tell me what they see, what they hear and all that. And so it's not PKing them, it's not persuading them to do anything. It's just uh, accessing their subconscious mind to see what they're talking about what they're hearing, what they're saying, what they're seeing, and all that. And uh, and so it is, again, um, an intelligence gathering thing. Which is probably where the, the psychic spy term kind of comes from, because that seems like a little spy experiment going on there well, with those outbounders. Yeah, that's one way to do it. I know uh, one time there was a uh, uh, facility in a foreign country, I won't say which one, uh, that um, was heavily protected. And even remote, re remote viewers just couldn't get any information valid 
information about it. And um, I got the I got the task along with the others, you know. And instead of doing that, I said, um, okay, I'm going to access the uh, manager of this facility. Come to find out in several sessions, come to find out he had a son. And, uh, and I said, you know, basically, what if you could show your son what you're doing, take, you know, take your child to work and show him what daddy does. And it got him daydreaming about taking his son all through the facility and describing what was going on to his son. And while he was doing that daydreaming, I was sitting at Fort Meade taking notes. And that's how we found out where the facility was <laughs> or what the facility was doing. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. See, there's so many different uses for remote viewing and oh, yeah. so many different facets for it. It's like uh, a blanket all kind of <laughs> ability. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Now, let's get into the the kind of the the dark side of remote influence and uh, remote control because I think it's important to kind of get this out there because I do personally believe that there is such a thing as a psychic assassin that people are able to kill people with their mind well this is Nina Kalaga that started this yeah uh, over in Russia yeah uh, she was she was uh, sponsored by the Russians because if they could teach their soldiers to go out onto the battlefield and just mentally kill the enemy. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey. <laughs> you know, win the war that way. And uh, so this... and. The thing is, uh, she wound up, she was stopping their hearts the, of the rabbits and the rats and all that. And uh, she wound up, of course, having a heart attack. You know, what goes around comes around. Is there a way to protect yourself from being remote influenced? Is there a way that someone could put up a some kind of protective barrier or even know that they're being that they possibly could be remote influenced for psychic functioning yes now for the controlled remote viewing that was used by the military one of the things that we found was if a person puts up the psychic barrier they get confidence in that psychic barrier and so their natural defenses go down and it makes them easier to remote view 
Now, for most psychics, that barrier will stop them. For the not remote viewing, the controlled remote viewing used by the military, if somebody put up a barrier like that, it actually made it easier for us to access. That's really interesting. So it's almost like the defense is putting out a beacon on them a little bit and making them yeah. like uh, easier to see. Well, you know, you feel like somebody's looking at you or, or something and you just, uh, you know, that's a natural thing. And uh, if you feel like somebody is mentally spying on you, you're going to have that reaction and it's going to stop them, you know. Do you think any of the paranormal phenomenon that people experience like poltergeist-like activity or just like what you mentioned with, because uh, a lot of people that have paranormal experiences or experience something paranormal, they normally feel like someone's watching them in their house, right? How much of that do you think could possibly be from another human? I mean, we just talked about, you know, um, remote telekinesis and how things can be moved in your house and yeah. is is there a connection here between poltergeist like activity and remote te telekinesis and remote viewing i don't really think there's that strong a connection i mean it it's all connected you know it's all the human mind but i don't think there's that much of a connection between those different things um now, the poltergeist thing, uh, many, many children go through this as they're growing up. But then they get taught, no, that's, we don't do that. That's crazy. That's bad stuff. You don't do that, you know. And so they, they sublimate it and it goes away. Uh, it can be trained. Uh, for a young person who's into that poltergeist era. Um, but um, generally, once, it, once it's squashed and it goes away, a child grows out of it, and it's um, almost impossible to get it started again. Yeah, yeah I think that's it's really interesting how it a lot of this could be some kind of uh, psychic phenomenon. I mean, obviously paranormal phenomenon is, is some kind of uh, psychic phenomenon. I, mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily subscribe to the belief that it's all, uh, you know, dead people. It's, you know, dead disincarnate souls and all that. I don't think so. I think it's something, something more different is going on. And we just don't know what it is yet. We had, uh, we had one, viewer in the unit who um, had her, her belief was in uh, spirit guides and she always addressed her spirit guides to do her form of remote viewing and she asked me one time who my spirit guides were and I said hey I want to do it myself <laughs> you know oh, I, I've learned this I don't seem to need any help with it so you know, do it myself. And uh, and so there may be spirit guides that may be real. I don't know. Uh, I just 
don't want secondhand information. I do the remote viewing to get it, you know, go get it firsthand. Yeah. I agree with that. Now, before we move on to a different topic, I know that this is a hard question and you probably won't be able to answer in a direct way. But we were just talking about psychic assassins and remote influencing. Do you think that the government or these three-letter organizations that have been a part of these remote viewing and studying psychics and collecting for intelligence data, do you think that at any point in the history of these programs, they implemented some kind of psychic assassin to do work for them? I think for every government in the world, probably ours included, um, I would not be surprised if I found out that they did. Um, when you get into military, when you get into warfare and uh, the military aspects of it, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know of anything that we did. It, it would be classified way above my level, you know, <laughs> if they did. So I don't know anything about it, but I wouldn't be surprised. And it almost seems like just outright killing someone with your mind would be a little like a, a lazy way to do it unless you want that target to be completely eliminated, right? It would almost seem like you would want to influence somebody else to do it for you, to commit the assassination or commit the murder or do whatever it is that uh, you're influencing them to do. In a case like that, you would probably have to get a person who had no compulsion whatever against killing somebody, you know. Um, and, you know, if you do the psychic killing, what you'd have to do is convince them at the subconscious level that they want to die. And, uh, and you know, that's, again, something you can't do in one session. Uh, the subconscious mind um, is bigger and smarter than that, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. And so, uh, yeah, I I really haven't given this a lot of thought, but uh, but yeah, it, it wouldn't be a thing where you just sit down and do one session and kill somebody. No, you wouldn't do that. Yeah, because the brain would have built-in defenses for just one session, right? It would automatically just kind of throw it out in one session. It would have to be done over a period of time and concentration, kind of like it's what we were talking about in that uh, Ed May document. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate that. So I wanted to talk to you about uh, something in our last interview, but um, we didn't get to it. And I was watching an interview with uh, Jim Mars uh, yeah. back 
back around, uh, I think it was early 2000s. It was an interview on YouTube that I was watching. He was talking about that Pat Price, the remote viewer Pat Price that was uh, involved with at SRI, remote viewed four alien bases on the earth and then skip at water got those coordinates or got that information or the details based off of Pat Price's remote viewing and then brought it to the unit at Fort Meade and then had other remote viewers in the unit remote view that same thing. Are, are you aware of this? Oh, yeah. Uh, I was one of them that did. Yeah, and uh, uh, he did not let anyone know beforehand what they were viewing. He got a just a random number and said this is project number reception sets remote view it uh to see if what we got was what pat had said and um and yeah oh i think i don't know of anyone who wasn't asked with doing that as a practice thing. But yeah, over the years, we've collected more and more information about this four bases, found other bases as well. But um, but yeah, and uh, we have tracked the activity at those four bases, yeah. Like the one up in Alaska seems to be uh, closed now. I mean, it's still there, but not active. Uh, the one in uh, Nanganyika is still um, a repair shop, the one in uh, uh, northern um, Australia is still a port of entry, and, and so on. Yeah, we've been tracking these things. Yeah. What all did you discover in remote viewing these facilities? Were they underground, above ground? What, what was happening at these facilities? Were there beings in the facilities? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, both alien and human. Yeah. Uh -huh. Did it seem like a military operation, like a joint operation between a, a extraterrestrial species no. and the military? Um, I didn't get that impression. And I don't know of anybody else who has gotten that impression. Uh, it seems to be um, humans who are working for the ETs. And uh, now, you know, the, uh, the feeling is that those bases are there and sort of off limits to us because we have made deals to give them that reservation and they're underground, yeah. And some of them are under the underwater. And, uh, but it seems that, uh, our governments, not just one, but various governments, have uh, have said, okay, we'll let you come to Earth, we'll let you, you know, harvest uh, materials and, and things like that, but you stay in your one place, you stay on your reservation, you know, and, uh, and the, um, the locations are where the governments have allowed, have allowed them to be. 
what was the impression about how long this base had been here? Did you get any impression of how long uh, it had been a structure there at all? I didn't. I don't know of anybody who did. Um, I didn't ask that question when I was there viewing it. Yeah. It never occurred to me to ask that. Yeah. I was just curious if it was something recent or if it was something much oh, older that had been taken over and then. Well, it's already, you know, they were already built and fully functioning when Pat Price viewed them. So. What did yeah, no tell how old they are? Yeah. What did the beans look like that were inside of these facilities? Did they all look the same in all of the facilities or were they different? Uh there were some grays. Uh there were some uh some other tall white beans. Uh, uh, and like I say, some humans, yeah. Any any reptilians at all? Any crocodile-looking beings or I, anything? I didn't find any. I don't know if anybody else has found any. I didn't find any. No. That's really interesting. So how many people do you think everyone in the unit viewed all of these bases? I think at one time or another, yeah, sort of using them as practice targets and just um, skip. Uh, at water, just skip sort of adding to the body of knowledge of Pat Price's findings. Yeah. Uh, Have you viewed anything off the planet, like on the moon, okay. or have you viewed uh, Mars or any of the other planets in our solar systems? And if you have, uh, you're shaking your head that you have, what did you find on those structures? Um, Mars found uh, a lot of uh, evidence of prior civilization and even some life that's still going on underground on Mars. Um, the, um, we've done far distant you know, planet, uh, planets around other stars. Um, uh, I have been hired uh, to do um, area books. You know what area books are? Like a map? No. A description of... Uh, uh... No, when you send a diplomat to a foreign country, you give them an area book that tells that country's political situation, their social situation, their religion, mm -hmm. their all of their demographics, so that you're politician didn't go there, do something stupid and start a war, you know? <laughs> mm. And so uh, the State Department has these area books. Well, uh, this um, one company uh, has um, wanted, wanted area books for a certain star, a nearby star, one of the closest stars to our sun and um, find out the planets and if there's any life there. And if so, do a demographic on the life, on the life that's there. And uh, so we had started doing area books on the different stars, finding 
you know, things. Um, this one star we found, uh, uh, I think five planets. The fifth one out had industrial stuff on it, but it was not manned. The um, uh, third one out from that star had a um, civilization not advanced, uh, not not technological in any means, just uh, and really not all that high IQ, but um, uh, we did demographics and. Uh, this is one of the things um, I have bought a ranch and I'm building a place on it for doing uh, studies when, uh, you know, when the ETs here filter into real society openly, they're going to want to live someplace. They're going to want to do things. We need to know their demographic lay it over our demographic, find out where there's going to be conflict, where there's going to be cooperation and all that. And so we've done extensive studies on earth, uh, on earth societies. Uh, you get somebody from uh, deepest Africa or something like that and do a demographic on them, move them to New York City and find out where they're going to find conflicts, where they're going to find cooperation and, you know, and all this. And so we've done it with provable uh, demographics. And then we remote view the other planets and, and so on, do a demographic there. And from our track record of doing Earth demographics blindly, we can pretty well predict the accuracy of doing uh, the demographic of another species. And, uh, and so we're doing that because, you know, if they come here openly, uh, where are they gonna go? New York, the Bible Belt, uh, the Midwest, where they want to, they're going to go where they're going to have the least amount of conflict. And where's that going to be? Uh, if you're a realtor, you're going to get rich if you know the answer. <laughs> mm. and, and politics and all that, you need to know these answers ahead of time so you don't start a war. Yeah. And so uh, we've been doing these area books in that way. And uh, we're we're building a place where we can do much more research into the um, the remote viewing, um, the new uses of it that are non-military and all that. So we're we're out there trying to. If you want to see it, it's called remoteviewranch.com. Remoteviewranch is all one word. dot com, and it kind of shows you where we're at. We're beginning to build the place. Yeah. So you said that the fifth planet out from this star has like industrial buildings on it, but there wasn't any beings on it or they there were, but there wasn't any humans. 
there were there were we didn't find any beings. It was all automated. Yeah. You know. The so planet. Was, the, the, oh yeah, go ahead. Sorry. By someone else than the race that is on the third planet, because they're not all that advanced. They're not all as smart. Yeah. Were they humans on the third planet, or were they uh, something different? Something different, yeah. That's really interesting. So it wasn't like completely different than uh, a human looking? I didn't really mean like human as in exactly the way that we are here on this planet, but uh, similar enough to be called human. Um Two-legged, two arms, uh, and so on, but definitely not human. Uh, more like, um, more like a chimpanzee or something. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. So, what did you find on the moon? Because I'm assuming that you've uh, removed the moon at some point in your career. What did you find there? Did we, let's end this once and for all. Did we go to the moon in 1969? <laughs> yeah, we went to the moon in 1969, yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, not everything that was shown to the public was from the moon, I don't think. Uh, I think there was some stage activity, you know, making it palatable for the, the, uh, the public. Um, I'm not sure about all of that. Yeah, we went to the moon. And uh, there are things on the moon that are developed. Um, yeah, it's it's all there. Yeah. Were there people on the moon? Humans on the moon? Humans in it and aliens, yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of aliens? Um, the ones I found would or not the grays. I don't know a category for them. I haven't heard a category. Um, they, you know, I've heard of the Nordics, the insectoids, the reptilians, the, I don't know. I don't keep up with that. Uh, it's, it's not of interest to me, uh, but, um, the ones that I saw on the moon didn't seem to fit in any of those categories. But there were also humans up there too. Yeah. Were they working for them? Were they German humans? Were they what? Germans? Oh, I don't I don't think so. Uh, you know, um the old thing of um Back in, in prehistory where the aliens came and uh, and had the humans serving them and all of this. And uh, when they left, they took aliens with them. I mean, they took humans with them. I mean, you've got servants. You're going to keep those servants, yeah. Uh, so uh, that's all I can figure is that uh, they've just bred their own humans. Yeah. 
So you don't think the that the humans that you viewed on the moon were Americans or any humans from this planet? I didn't get any impression of that, no. Uh, mm. I also didn't query for it, so I'm not sure. It's really, really interesting. What about the backside of the moon? What did you see? Because that's a whole running theory that the backside of the moon has uh, these above ground bases and like these structures on the backside of the moon. What did you see on the backside? That's some of that. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, you know, Ingo found a lot of that too. Yeah. Like dilapidated buildings or like new buildings or how old did these structures look? I, I have no estimate for it. They looked ancient to me, you know. I mean, sturdy, always been there, as far as I could tell. Did you get a sense of what they were doing up there, the extraterrestrials and the humans uh, that were up there that were not from the, the sessions planet? I did were the sessions I did on that were short, and I just saw industry, you know, industry, mining, things like that. Uh, I didn't get details on that. Those were practice sessions. And uh, see, in the military unit, uh, we were never tasked, officially tasked, with doing anything ET or anything like that. Uh, we would do some now and then as practice targets. But uh, the thing is, when we practiced, we wanted targets that had feedback so that then we could assess the feedback against the session and make a track record for the accuracy of the viewer. And so they highly discouraged us from doing any ET, any ET stuff at all. And we were never officially tasked to do it. So, but you know, you get a bunch of remote viewers together and they, got the ability sure you're gonna do it yeah <laughs> absolutely why wouldn't you i mean that sounds like a very logical <laughs> and uh, critical thing to do you know answer questions about the world and what's going on out there you know yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. have you viewed anything to do with like certain events certainly ufo events or certain contact events like Roswell, 1947, have you ever viewed that? Sure, we've done a lot of that. Um, like I say, we were never officially tasked to do it. But yeah, we did all those things, yeah, absolutely. What did you see there? Was that a crashed UFO, extraterrestrial UFO, oh. or was it our technology? No, it was uh, alien, yeah. And I've since got, uh, after moving here, because Roswell is not that far, uh, I got to know um, Glenn Dennis and Walter Hout and all that, who have both passed away now. Uh, but they were there. And uh, you get them out at the museum and they're talking to the public. They say one thing get them back in their office, sit there and talk to them for a long time. Yeah, they tell you, yeah, it was real, yeah. 
so based off of your remote viewing sessions and viewing the moon, viewing Mars, viewing these other stars and these other planets and seeing these life forms, uh, what's your hypothesis on extraterrestrial life? Do you think that that verifies extraterrestrial life and also remote viewing the, the bases on the planet with these beings in it? Does that solidify the extraterrestrial hypothesis for you? A hypothesis meaning, are they real? Yeah, uh, that we've had visitors from off the planet that they're coming here, they're doing experiments on yeah, us. Here. Yeah, they're here. Yeah. Uh -huh. And it's a it's a peaceable thing, peaceful thing, you know. Uh, there are uh, aliens who are want to wipe us off the planet, but we have defenses against it. Yeah. Uh -huh. What do you think about abductions, though, like ET abductions? Where does that stem from? Have you reviewed any of these uh, popular ET abductees like Betty and Barney Hill in 1961 to verify if what they said was true? Uh, no, because uh, uh, one, I, I find it distasteful to view a person. You can't view a person and ask a question and get an answer. It's not like you sit in their living room and talk to them. You see their whole house. You see their whole life. And way too much information. I no, I don't I don't like doing that. And also in the military, uh, there was an edict. We unless we had official tasking from uh, the government or you know, Homeland Security or police or something like that, we were absolutely forbidden to remote view a U.S. citizen. I mean, that was punishable offense. And uh, we, we didn't do that. Uh, uh, so, and I, I like that. I don't like viewing individuals. And, you know, if it's for the police or finding missing soldiers or missing children or something like that. Yeah, I'll do that. But just recreationally viewing a person. I have student, I have people who want to come be a student. They say remote view me to see if I'd be a good remote viewer. Absolutely not. I don't I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want to know where your playboys are hidden. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know. I don't want to know that stuff. That makes sense that you would get a flood of information by remote viewing them individually and you can't yeah. really control that, that you would get all of it dumped on you all at one time. Now, before I let you go, I know that you have probably remote viewed the future and where we're heading. Is there anything that you can tell us that you viewed, let's say by uh, 2030? Uh, is there any significant events that people should be on the lookout for between now and 2030? Back in 1998, I was tasked to do up through um, 2050. 
what I found was that starting in the year uh, um, 2000, there would be a, uh, it would be a sort of thing that would sort of start snowballing. And uh, by 2012, it would be snowballing to the point where it would not stop. If you hadn't stopped it before then, too late. And, uh, you know, the, what was the date? December 21st, 2012, that, you know, there was supposed to be the end of the Mayan calendar or something like that. That was the date. Everybody was predicting disaster and all that. And no, I saw that as the tipping point. After that date, if we haven't curbed ourselves, curbed the ecology and the economy and all that, it's snowball and it's going out of, you know, out of control. There's no getting it back. And uh, after that, what I saw was that in the start of 2020, there would be, there would start being a series of man-made natural disasters. And that by the year 2040, uh, I, I want to be wrong on this. By the year 2040, about 75% of the Earth's population will be wiped out from these natural disasters. And uh, 2020, man-made started getting us. Uh, the um, Russians are claiming that their earthquake weapon that they have developed is what started, Fuku you know, what caused Fukushima and that they can aim it at anybody now that they want to. Um, um, and the different things that are, are going on, uh, many of the disasters that we're having, uh, the ecology, uh, you know, it's man-made, man-made natural disasters. And, uh, and it's, I want to be wrong. This is one where I, I really don't want to be right. But what I saw was that uh, by the year 2022, we would be separating ourselves. We would be, um, you know, stores would be closing down. Uh, businesses would be, people would be working from home electronically. Uh, uh, friendships would be electronic. Uh, people staying away from each other and all this. All those things have started becoming true. I uh, started seeing the um, the uh, high increase of high intelligence children and the increase of uh, of children who were epileptic and so on. Those things are happening, uh, and it's all it's all coming to pass and. As far as the 75% of the world's population being wiped out, I hope I'm wrong. I just pray that I'm wrong, you know. Yes, I hope that you're wrong as well, but that has been a uh, forecast for, for from a lot of people, not even just uh, remote viewers. So 
Yeah, I found out that Stephen Schwartz had done uh, that with his group about two or three years before I did. I didn't know that. And uh, that he basically found the same thing. Yeah. Yes. Very interesting. All we can do is uh, cross our fingers and, you know, be with our families. I think that's the uh, best yeah. option okay. and li live our life day to day and try and be as happy as possible. Thanks so much, Lynn, for coming back on my show. Really appreciate your time this evening. Would love to bring you back on sometime in the future. Always enjoy the conversation. A lot of fun. Uh, can you let people know where to find you online, plug your website, uh, anywhere that they can uh, find you? My, my, my uh, web site is crviewer, crviewer.com. If you go down to the bottom of the first page, it uh, lists the uh, links to training. And I'm training all online now with videos and uh, webinars. And uh, um the uh, Remote View Ranch that I'm getting started is uh, remoteviewranch.com. And you can see the beginnings. We're just beginning building it and uh, uh, hoping to get some good funding for it. And uh, so, you know, uh, crviewer.com and remoteviewranch.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. The links to all of Lynn's information will be in the description of this video for everyone else. Thanks for watching and listening. Much love to everyone in the chat. Please be sure to hit the thumbs up button, help the channel and the YouTube algorithm, share, subscribe, hit the bell icon as well for notifications. The links to all of my information is also in the description. Please subscribe on all podcast platforms on Rockfin, Odyssey, and rumble and remember we're not only in a spiritual war but a war on humanity stay aware stay alert keep loving your heart for everyone stay safe out there and if you can see through the illusion you are the solution see you guys next time